the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and that's me. Hey, let's look at serendipity. Uh, serendipity means finding things by accident and then recognizing their usefulness. Medical researchers were studying a new antihypertensive drug until their male subjects reported an improved sex life. Viagra was born. Serendipity drives innovation. A woman overbroiled some tofu strips in her oven and came on to a vegan version of beef jerky. It's really good. She created the Louisville Vegan Jerky Company, and her treats are out there somewhere for you to find by serendipity. Now let's go to this month's pithy phrase. Low probability coincidence deserves search for explanation. How low is low enough to alert you to look for an explanation? Tossing them off as chance can miss some useful causes. Yeah. And our word for this month is coinciders. Coinciders are people like me, like our guests, are people who experience meaningful coincidences. We become insiders together, looking at the meanings of synchronicities. We compare our experiences and find that the world is not the way conventional reality defines it. Our minds are immersed in our mental atmosphere, the psychosphere, through which we can be telepathic, clairvoyant, and sense the future as well as find our own human GPS. Sharpen your sensitivity to coincidences, examine their potential uses and explanations, Read my book, Connecting with Coincidence, and learn along with me, Synchronicity, Spoken Here. Our guest today is Jeff Mishlove. He's, an auth- he's the author of The Roots of Consciousness, Psi Development Systems, and The PK Man. He hosts and produces the new Thinking Aloud channel on YouTube, featuring thought leaders in parapsychology and related subjects. He is the recipient of the only doctoral diploma in parapsychology ever awarded by an accredited university, the University of California, Berkeley, 1980. Between 1986 and 2002, he hosted and co-produced the original Thinking Aloud public television series, and he's also past president of the nonprofit Intuition Network, an organization dedicated to creating a world in which All people are encouraged to cultivate and apply their inner intuitive abilities. Jeff, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you, Bernie. And it's a pleasure to have you, Jeff. And let's start off with a simple question, like what's the relationship between intuition and synchronicity? 
Yeah, intuition is is a very large word, and it includes uh, some things that are probably best understood conventionally. For example, uh, as a medical doctor, you've had a lot of experience with patients, and so you have in in your memory an enormous reservoir of information to draw upon when you see a new patient. And that would be a conventional form of intuition. But synchronicity is more specialized. It's like being in the right place at the right time for the right reason. And it has something to do with uh, our deeper connection with uh, the universe itself. So you're relating the deeper intuition with synchronicity. I I would put it that way, yes. Yeah, because it's this deeper one that I'm really very interested in. Uh, it's it's important to do that 10,000 uh, hour thing, uh, where if you've done 10,000 hours, you get good quick at recognizing a, a fake painting, for example, or mm. picking up a diagnosis. Or as you mentioned, I can pick up stuff from my patients as a psychotherapist and as a psychopharmacologist that are based on past experience and an answer comes fairly quickly. And that's an important part of intuition to keep in mind. But mm-hmm. then there are connections to the greater mind. There's something more going on in that turmoil of of our subconscious. Uh, it's uh, getting out to the Jungian uh, archetypes as we'll probably get to. There's something more, and there's various levels of intuition that are beyond the regular one, the more memory uh, experience one. And that's what I'd like to hear more about from you, is because that, that's an important place for our listeners and all of us to get to. Mm-hmm. Well, as a parapsychologist, uh, for example, yes, yes. J.B. Ryan, back in the 1930s, popularized the term extrasensory perception. And and since then, you know, we have hundreds, probably now a couple of thousand scientific experiments demonstrating that people are able to acquire information about random targets uh, through means that we don't know, because we don't know that there's any organ of perception. We don't know that there's any channel by which extrasensory perception is mediated. So Um, parapsychologists began proposing back uh, in the 1970s, as a matter of fact, that maybe a whole other way to think about what we call extrasensory perception is uh, in terms of Jungian synchronicity. That might be a much better model to begin with. And and that really has to do with the, I'm going to put it this way, that the a difference between your inner subjective experience and the external objective world is something of an illusion that that these two realms are very very intimately connected and in fact i, I would go so far as to say that the the whole universe is alive and uh we are part of a much larger living system and uh that may be the basis of synchronicities uh, that, and that's getting uh, what I can say is pretty far out. I mean, literally far out um, yeah. to get the universe and alive. And I think there's something to that. I, I tend to be a little myopic and stay with what's a little closer. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, what's closer is uh, what, I'm, what I call the, our mental atmosphere, our psychosphere. That yeah. there's, a, there's a consciousness in which we are immersed, just like dark energy and dark matter are all over the place. They're also right here on Earth. So I want to be able to see what this uh, alive universe that you're talking about uh, functions like with us here so that when you you, you had an amazing dream uh, you went about your uncle Harry why don't you tell us about that well um, it, it changed my life dramatically back in um, 1972 I was a college student living in Berkeley and um, I had a dream one night. It was such a powerful dream. My Uncle Harry, uh, great Uncle Harry, came and talked to me in a very deep way about my life. And when I woke up from that dream, I was in tears. I was crying. And at the same time, Bernie, I was singing a Jewish melody, uh, which is sung only in the high holidays. So it's called Avinu Malkeinu. Avinu Malkeinu. That's it. 
I, was, I woke up singing Avino Malcano and crying. I, I never had such a powerful dream in my entire life. So I wrote home and asked my parents, how's Uncle Harry? I had a dream about him. And my mother got the letter. She called me immediately from Wisconsin and said, uh, how did you know Uncle Harry had just died? And uh, that shook me. And so I asked uh, my relatives, could you send me some object that Uncle Harry owned so I could have it to remember him by? And I was sent a book. My Aunt Jeanette sent me a book and she said, this was Uncle Harry's favorite book. And uh, it was in Yiddish. And so I had to have it translated. It turned out that my Uncle Harry, I knew he was a very pious man, but he uh, was actually um, a Hasidic Jew, a member of a mystical Jewish tradition. In fact, he came from the town of Lubavitch in Russia. And, uh, which a Lubavitcher, is, a Lubavitcher. He was a real Lubavitcher from Lubavitch. And, and the, book, <laughs> the book that was his favorite book when it was translated was The Tales of the Baal Shem Tov. Oh, which yeah. Is, oh, yeah. The founder of the Jewish Hasidic tradition, a man whose life was was surrounded by these unusual, miraculous stories that we could now consider synchronicities. Uh, yeah, um, those stories are pretty amazing. Um, he's pretty was pretty good at bilocation. That Baal Shem Tov, as I recall, yeah. he he get in his carriage and zip off to somewhere off in the distance and and do some saving of Jews being persecuted. Yeah, there was a famous Marc Chagall painting of uh, the Baal Shem Tov flying through the sky in this old horse and buggy carriage with his followers. That's a that's an image I got from reading those stories, and I didn't know that there was a painting like that, too. We've got uh, less than a minute left in this segment, Jeff, and what I want to be able to get to is how that changed your life in the direction of parapsychology and just how you think that may have happened, that you had that dream about Uncle Harry and it correlated with uh, around the time around the time that he had died. There are a lot of stories like that. I have one somewhat similar with my father and I've, I'm collect them uh, about how we know somehow uh, when someone we're close to is getting close to being uh, on the edge and passing on to someplace else. Um, you're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And our guest is Jeffrey Mishlove, who, among other things, is the host of Thinking Aloud. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, 
psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome back to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and that is me. And our guest today is Jeff Mishlove. And Jeff, before we get back to the Baal Shem Tov and Uncle Harry, um, I want to ask you about a pun that I think you're playing with in the name of your program, your interview program, Thinking Aloud. I, I get two I get two meanings, but over the years, you've been doing it a long time, I wonder if there are some other meanings besides just thinking aloud that you can think, and then thinking out loud becomes a pun that's somewhat related to it, but are there some other meanings that have emerged from that phrase uh, over the time that you've done the show? Well, of course, uh, as a parapsychologist, I'm dealing with topics that are considered taboo in academia. Imagine I earned a doctoral degree in parapsychology in 1980 uh, at the University of California through an individual interdisciplinary doctoral program. That was 38 uh, years ago. And Subsequently, nobody anywhere else in the world, either before or after me, has ever earned such a diploma. Now, I, I know other people do parapsychology research. There's some 400 members of the Parapsychological Association, but the topic is still considered almost uh, an anathema in, in academia. I, I imagine you run into this uh, yourself with the medical profession from time to time, even though synchronicity is well-established as, as a term in Jungian psychology. The, the truth is, uh, for example, Bernie, yeah, Carl Jung, one of the great thinkers of the 20th century, is hardly ever taught in any university these days. So uh, there is enormous resistance to having people even think about these things. And thinking aloud means allowed to think about parapsychology. And, and, and its implications, because parapsychology, yeah, in, in a way, it's, it's a revolutionary science. It touches on the very nature of consciousness, the very nature of space and time and matter and energy. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it brings us back to the question of, uh, that I have about intuition. Uh, and intuition is... And we got to it by talking about how... Um, how our subconscious has many different layers in it. And among those layers is this capacity to be able to know that uh, your great uncle Harry was in trouble in some kind of indirect way. And that, that how, how do you think about that now? And how did it impact your life, that story the, with the Baal Shem Tov? And uh, I guess it's Martin Buber translation you got in the Yiddish that you... Um, that you read, and then what happened? Well, 
Uh, I was so curious. Uh, I went and started asking my professors <laughs> at Berkeley, you know, how could they explain? What what did psychology have to say about such an experience? And yeah. I learned very quickly, Bernie, that my learned professors, for whom I had great respect, had nothing whatsoever intelligent to say about this experience that had shaken me to my bones. And that's when... I resolved I would have to become my own expert in these things, and uh, I switched out of criminology uh, <laughs> and into a, an individual interdisciplinary doctoral major in parapsychology, and I, I, my life has been guided by uh, dreams and intuitions and synchronicities ever since then, and now I, I can look back uh, many, many years later and, and say, uh, it was that dream of Uncle Harry that set me on the path uh, I'm on today, many decades later. Wow, that is truly transformative. Wow, that I, I like hearing those stories, uh, not just a regular thing, but one that pops in at the right time for Uncle Harry to help change your your career path and your life path well you've had uh, you've had lo lots of these experiences in various forms and i i know it's a difficult question esp isn't the word or phrase used so much anymore because we supposedly don't have the sense to pick up uh psi to pick up telepathy and clairvoyance for example i think we do I think there are some receptors, there's some, you know, theories about quantum receptors in the brain that I've tried to read, I don't understand them, but I think this, it, it, it's, it's almost like I think of my body as an antenna that can pick up stuff, it's still an old idea like the radio, uh, like our bodies are radio waves, like uh, an old book had something to do with saying something like that, we are all radio stations. I, what's your idea about how that happened with Uncle Harry and you? Well, <laughs> I, I once told the story about this experience with Uncle Harry to a famous uh, mystical rabbi you may know, uh, Zalman Schechter. Oh, yeah. He, he was in Berkeley a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got uh, very close to him and I explained to him that I didn't know Uncle Harry very well. He was a great uncle. And when I was a young child... Our family would drive from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, to Sheboygan, where Uncle Harry <laughs> lived. And uh, we would uh, visit Uncle Harry, and he was a very humble man. He owned, uh, with his wife, a tiny little corner grocery store, and they had a tiny apartment in back of the store. But to me, as a seven-year-old child, he was like the richest man in the world because he, when we would visit him, he would take us into the store and he had a freezer there and it was full of Eskimo pies. And he would pull out an Eskimo pie and hand it to each of the children. And I thought, you know, if you can have your own freezer full of Eskimo pies, you were the wealthiest man in the world. And so I explained all that to Rabbi Zalman. And, and then I told him the dream, and he said to me, well, it looks as if Uncle Harry handed you one last uh, Eskimo pie. Well, that's a metaphor, and yeah. that's a very apt metaphor. Um, it made you wealthy in uh, different ways. It, it was a seed for you, um, mm -hmm. more than just something to digest. Uh, how, do, how, does that, how does that work? I, I know... Uh, every, there's a lot of different theories of Psy. Um, let's say in the simplest form that you picked up his, his dying and it came through in that form of the dream that you describe. And when my father was dying, choking on his own blood, I'm more concrete. I was choking myself uncontrollably. And there, a lot of people have these, these experiences where you're doing something like what the person who's dying is experiencing or person in pain is experiencing. Sometimes they know who the person is. Sometimes they have clear images of somebody dying. Sometimes an apparition shows up. You know all these things. But how does, how does it happen? How did it happen with you and Uncle and your great Uncle Harry? Well, how did that communication take place, Jeff? Well, um, 
I, first of all, you're correct. It's a very common experience in the 19th century. The psychical researchers in England conducted a survey of all the spontaneous experiences people reported. And they found in, in those days that the most commonly reported experience is what they called the crisis apparition, which is exactly what I had in my dream. The Somebody who is going through a crisis, dying, for example, uh, appears to another person. And one theory is, is that uh, the telepathic sender is emotionally, physiologically aroused. Like when you're dying, you're going through a crisis. And the sender uh, is aroused, but the receiver is very, very relaxed. I was asleep at the time. So that's why so many psychic experiences occur in dreams. So we know that much, but the actual mechanism of how this, this occurs, the reason I used the metaphor earlier of the Eskimo pie is, is because it's very likely that when we're talking about what we could call the transcendent realm, some realm that is so deep that the, the, the human organism, the human mind doesn't have concepts. And uh, it may well be that there is no mechanistic explanation that will ever fit into materialistic science. So the best way to point towards that transcendent reality is to use metaphors. That may be the best we can do. As you, as you talk about transcendent realities, there is the idea that it's all one, that uh, we're holograms of the greater whole. We represent the greater whole with ourselves. And that as you talk, there's something about minds being able to be part of something bigger because they actually are. And when you get a crisis happening, it somehow brings parts of the whole together in a way that they haven't been brought together before yeah the, the big mystery of life is how is it that we all have these individual lives we're born we grow old we die we live inside of our bodies and yet at the same time we're all one it, it seems like this incredible mystery and that's where i think the jungian concept of archetypes comes in because these archetypal energies are are what connects the individual egos of, of our personal lives with this larger sense of uh connection to the greater whole um we're coming to the end of this, and I think we'll talk some about your in the next segment about what you what your view of archetypes is, because I think it's a crucial concept that is still relatively ambiguous in my mind, uh, used in a lot of different ways. It's fundamental to Jung's thinking. A lot of his theories were focused on uh, improving or supporting the idea of archetypes. So we'll get into that in our next segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Weitman, MD, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. And our guest is Jeff Mishlove, and we are talking about Jungian archetypes. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzulli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence. And our guest today is Jeff Mishlove, and he is a host and producer of Thinking Aloud, which was on public television and now is on a, his YouTube channel. And we're going to a fundamental idea that I think um, informs the way Jeff thinks about uh parapsychology and, and reality, uh, that is Jungian archetypes. And what, what, are, what are archetypes and what is, uh, what is uh, their relationship to synchronicity in your mind? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as a college professor, I, uh, I was a dean for many years at the University of Philosophical Research, and I conducted oral exams with the master's degree students, and I always asked them to define what is an archetype. And <laughs> in 30 or 40 of uh, these oral exams, I never got the, the same, same answer, answer twice. <laughs> I uh, said so the concept of archetypes is crucial, and yet it's very elusive. And uh, I suppose the best way to say it is it's a constellation of psychic energy. And um, one of uh, my old friends, Gene Shinoda Bolin, wrote a couple of interesting books called uh, Goddesses in Every Woman and Gods in Every Man. And she believed uh, and maintained it's quite consistent with Jungian thought that the ancient gods of the Greeks and other ancient peoples are examples of archetypes and that the gods are, are alive within different individuals that each person has uh, you might say ruling deities inside of their psyche and these deities express themselves through uh, tendencies uh, that we have. Sometimes they can be very dangerous for us. If, if you're, uh, for example, uh, dominated by an archetype, it can control your life in, in unfortunate ways uh, on occasion. Or an archetype can control your life in very positive ways. And the, the idea is that somehow these archetypes are instrumental in... Um, favoring um, coincidences of one type or another because they are uh, energetic constellations that seem to draw energy into them. And, uh, of course, that might be your energy. Yeah. So it's very useful for people to understand uh, what are the active archetypes in, in their life. So what's the active archetypes in your life, Jeff? Well, I suppose at this stage in my life, I'm now in my 70s, so I, I think I'm kind of working on the archetype of the wise old man or the magus, the magician, uh, somebody who has been, you know, now studying the psychic realm for many, many decades. Uh, and, and one of my archetypes, I suppose, would be the god Hermes. Or, or Mercury, the you know, one who initiates people into uh, the the depths of their own psyche. That's a, you know, Some people use astrology in a similar way um, to try to understand what motivates them. 
and this is this is a, a way to understand oneself, uh, and at least we're confusing to ourselves. We don't really know who we are. Uh, it's it's. I ask myself, what is this? What am I? What am I here? I mean, I can place myself in time and space, and know people that I know and what I'm doing. But at, at, who who am I? Has been an age-old question, and you're you're describing archetypes as a way of getting a foothold in who I to answering that question. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Theodore Rozak, the uh, great sociologist who wrote The Making of the Counterculture, wrote a short pamphlet uh, many years ago called Why Astrology Endures. It seems to continue for for thousands and thousands of years in spite of the fact that uh, in recent decades, efforts to test it scientifically have pretty much all fallen flat in, in terms of conventional uh, astrology. There are some very interesting correlations uh, that... Um, Rick yeah, yes, the uh, work of Michelle Guacalin, for example, and uh, the Mars effect oh, in yeah. astrology. But for the most part, the research doesn't hold up. So why does astrology endure? And Rozak said the reason is because astrology is what connects our small, individual, ego-filled lives with this larger world of the cosmos that we're part of. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Um, Seneca was an important archetype for you at one time. What happened, yes. to, what happened to him and you? Well, I, I still feel like I have this strange connection with, with Seneca. It's, it's quite a, uh, another synchronicity. Um, many years ago when I started doing the, new, the original Thinking Aloud television series, the Currently, I'm doing one called New Thinking Aloud, but back then I interviewed Dr. Marty Rossman, who was a specialist in hypnosis, and he hypnotized me and uh, put me in a trance and said, now you will meet your inner healing advisor. And in my mind, I saw a man approaching me in a toga, and I thought, oh good, this will I'll make him be Demosthenes, the great speaker, because I want to improve my public speaking ability. And, and he said to me, no, I'm not Demosthenes, I'm Seneca. And I thought, well, if you're Seneca, uh, what, what do you want me to do? And he said, study my life. And then I came out of the hypnotic trance. I had this silly grin on my face and like something amazing had just happened. And I began studying the life of, of Seneca, and I was really amazed when I learned about how he died. His death was considered very similar to the death of Socrates, because he was ordered to commit suicide by a Roman centurion. And uh, he was at a dinner party, and he said to the centurion, well, can I at least make out my last will and testament? And the centurion said, no. Uh, you have to take your life immediately. And so Seneca turned to the guests at the dinner party and he said to them, I bequeath to you my life, study my life. Those were his last words. And when I read that, I just kind of felt shivers going up and down my body. So I felt like Seneca has been a presence somehow within my psyche ever since that time. You were at the dinner party in some form. <laughs> you could say I must have had some connection. Uh, and in fact, uh, an interesting thing happened. Many years later, I was on my way to this town of Cordoba in Spain. That's the town where Seneca was born. And I got an email from a young man who said, uh, I didn't know him. His name was Brendan Engen a young psychologist, and he said, I had heard that you were the reincarnation of Seneca, and I was told by this transmedium that I knew Seneca in a past lifetime. So I'm writing to you to 
see if I can confirm this. And I wrote back to him. Let's let's stop. Let's stop for a minute right there because okay. I know there's a there's a lot more to that story. But how did that? I want to know how that happened. I mean, it's such an, a wonderful coincidence, synchronicity, right. for you to be studying, be told, study Seneca's life, and here's some guy who around that time is told in a, his own trance to contact you because you're like a reincarnation somehow of Seneca. You're, uh, you're Seneca now. Um, how to, that's such a like wonderful coming together of disparate minds on the same place. Uh, how do you think of that happening? How do you, how do you think of that happening? Well, the, the, that young man and I, Brendan Angen, eventually wrote a, a paper together called Archetypal Synchronistic Resonance. And uh, which is the model that we use to explain these things. So it has to do with archetypes, it has to do with synchronicity, and it has to do with a concept that we introduce called resonance. That, you know, these archetypes, when they start resonating, you don't get just one synchronicity, you, you get a whole series of, of synchronicities. And, and so this occurred, a whole series of synchronicities. Oh, oh I didn't get that. I read the paper. I ta- I, I, uh, Brendan was on my show. I've talked to him a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't get the resonance part of this, um, that because you're, you got your archetype of Seneca got activated, it started vibrating in some resonating and, and reson, resonated with uh, something in him that uh, allowed that connection to happen as a follower of Seneca. Yes, and we had about five or six very striking synchronicities uh, that occurred at about that time, and that prompted us to co-author the paper. We wrote the paper together before we ever even met face-to-face. Yeah, um, it's that resonance, and then uh, I can almost get it now, because I have to think, not necessarily in words, I agree that the words make it difficult. Words are so limited, and we need metaphors, and and images are metaphors uh, for me, that, as for a lot of us. That, and I, I can begin to see the that you got uh, you were at Seneca's uh, uh, suicide um, somehow. I mean, you <laughs> present there. I don't know what kind of wine you were drinking, but you were there, and you heard him say in some form or another that uh, you should study his life and and. Become, you become like him by studying his life, and then Brendan contacts you having had some kind of pickup in an altered state of consciousness of your resonating with Seneca. Yeah, that, that's basically what happened. Well, there was a trans medium, a fellow named Kevin Ryerson, who was a friend of mine, and uh, I must have told him the Seneca story, and he oh. thought I was a past life of Seneca. Oh, th- that was the guy who worked with Brendan? Yes, yeah, we, yeah it was the same trans medium. Okay, okay, we've come to the, oh, that's important. We've come to the end of this segment. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and we're talking rock and roll with Jeff Mishlove. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Path Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes. 
Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes, composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, create sacred space in which to live and work, empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried-and-true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading-edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Welcome, welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is Jeff Mishlove, and we are doing some new thinking right out loud here on this program, talking about um, archetypal synchronistic resonance, a big term which has to be taken apart. For me, it has, and I know all three words. But the, the, the key in this story with you and Brendan, who picked up the Seneca thing that you were into, uh, is that the same guy was working with each of you? Yes, that, that's what happened. Kevin is an old friend of mine. He, he's a trance medium. He achieved a lot of fame uh, because he was in a big television special back in the 1980s by Shirley MacLaine called Out on a Limb based on her book. And she had done a lot of work with Kevin. And uh, he lived in the San Francisco area. I worked with him for many, many years and uh, he maintained that Seneca was a, a past life of mine. I've never accepted that because only on very rare, rare occasions have I ever had a, a, a feeling of having been Seneca. It's, I, you know, having Seneca's memories. Uh, it did occur for like a brief instant on one occasion, but generally I, I don't, think that I was Seneca. And when Brendan said, were you Seneca in a past lifetime? I said, no, no, no. This is all about Jungian synchronicities. It's not about reincarnation. Uh, oh, very good. That's very good. I, I like that distinction very much. Because I'm not, I, when I think about reincarnation, I'm, I'm, I lean towards thinking that that when you experience uh, some of Seneca, which were fleeting, but there, I think you're picking up uh, from the psychosphere the energy information that was Seneca and experiencing it as if it were your own, almost like the way uh, I listen to music uh, and get into the music and become part of the music, but I am not the music most of the time, but I'm in it sometimes. I, I certainly in this case, that's my feeling. But I, I have to say, with regard to reincarnation, the evidence is now overwhelming. The University of Virginia, uh, where people, I am, where I am, and Jim Tucker yeah. is a colleague friend of mine, and sure. and we go over the the data, and there's certainly lot of information that says something happens that gets something gets transferred to a living from somebody who's dead uh, yeah. and, and the and the two theories are you get the whole person into the new person or you get parts of the person uh, remembered into that new person yes we still have a lot to learn but uh, uh, on the new thinking aloud channel I have a series of 12 interviews with James Matlock, an anthropologist who really dug into the cases. They have 2,500 cases of reincarnation in their computer database. Yes, and yes. 
Matlock has has gotten into great detail about uh, how uh, reincarnation works, what we know about it. So I don't discount reincarnation, but I think in many cases, what's going on is that people are are being driven by these archetypal energies, and they can uh, look like anything. They can look like reincarnation. So people have said, oh, you're the reincarnation of Seneca, or you are the new incarnation of William James. And I'm fascinated by the possibility that that might be true. But as a parapsychologist, I I have to be uh, skeptical, especially of anything that pertains to me. And frankly, the evidence, actual evidence, uh, isn't there. So I, I don't think I'm the reincarnation of either of those. But I do think there's an archetype. I referred to it as, as, you know, the wise old man kind of archetype. Both William James and Seneca are examples of, of that. And, and I think that's the ideal by which I have endeavored to live my life. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, let's go back to the transmedium, who is the center of the of the co of the coincidence between you and Brendan, um, that, that somehow he linked the two of you through Seneca. Well, and not only that, but it, it you know Seneca was a Stoic philosopher, and uh, Brendan was given a reading with Kevin Ryerson as a birthday gift. He didn't know anything about Kevin or what he did, and Kevin, out of the blue, it was a telephone reading, said, you know, you lived in ancient Rome and you uh, worked with Seneca. You were one of Seneca's close colleagues. And by the way, Seneca is still, you know, the new Seneca is Jeffrey Mishlove. You should reach out to him. But uh, what Kevin couldn't have known is that Brendan had throughout his whole life had been fascinated with Stoic philosophy and with the writings of Seneca uh, in particular. So that that was a synchronicity right there. Well, Kevin uh, could tune in to the psychosphere and can capture the notion of, of Brendan's uh, connection to the Stoics. Uh, I, that information is out there, and if you can get tuned in and focused the way uh, Kevin probably can do, he could read that in, uh, in, in Brendan and then connect his favorite Stoic with, uh, with you. Um, and I could see he's the link and that's what I'm looking for as a, as a, and I think is there for me as a link that Kevin was the link in a rather, uh, I can almost do it in a mechanical way and putting the two of you together just by his having access to information that most of us don't have so ready access to. Well, sure. But then when Brendan wrote to me and sent me an email several weeks later, uh, Brendan, uh, it, it's another synchronicity that yes. I was in Spain on my way to visit Cordoba, the town of Seneca's birth, uh, and very deliberately uh, to visit the town of Seneca's birth when Brendan's email should arrive. I think that's another synchronicity. I agree with you, and it's a confirming synchronicity. Yeah. Well, yeah. well here's, here's another really strong one. Back in the early 70s, I was producing radio programs, and, and I was guided to do that by more synchronicities. But I did an interview with a fellow named uh, Nahum Stiskin, who had written a book called The Looking Glass God. That was back in the 1970s. And I don't know whatever happened to that book, but shortly after Brendan contacted me many decades later, he was visiting a bookstore in Walnut Creek, California, a different city uh, altogether, and he bought a book. He bought that book, The Looking Glass God. He found it in a used bookstore, and it looked interesting to him. And only when he took that book home did he discover that it was the very same copy that I had. It had my name and inscription inside the front cover. He had no idea. I think that's beautiful, and I can see the interwoven connections that the transmedium Kevin was operating on. For me, I mean, this is my way of looking at it. I'm not trying to say it should be yours. But as we as we get to the last few minutes of this, what advice would you give to our listeners about how to use synchronicity in their lives? You know, I kind of think that it's not so much that you use synchronicity, but that you allow 
synchronicity to use you in a positive way, not in a negative way, that which means just being open, noticing what what's happening, being aware of whether you call it ESP or synchronicity or coincidence or serendipity or precognition doesn't much matter. There's so many different names. Uh, I could call it the X factor, but be open to it because it can be a very, very powerful force. And it certainly speaking for myself, it can change your life in hundreds of positive ways. There are small ways and big ways um, uh, that it changes your life. The great uncle Harry one was a huge one in your life. You, you describe being guided uh, and making decisions uh, with by synchronicity those are somewhat smaller but like persistent um coincidences that help you get to where you are how do you know what to pay attention to and how do you know how to interpret them well it it is tricky because ultimately it does require a certain amount of self-knowledge and in fact uh the psychiatrist jewel eisenbud warned people uh, if you happen to have, if you think you have a self-destructive impulse, a self-destructive complex in your psychological makeup, it's probably better to work on that rather than open yourself up to psychic functioning and synchronicities. Because if if psychic functioning works in the service of a self-destructive impulse, those synchronicities can lead you down the wrong path altogether. Uh, but if you're not that type of a person, if you feel like you, you love yourself unconditionally, you have a positive uh, mental outlook, then uh, having synchronicities work in the surface of those psychic forces will just enhance your life more. It's, a, it's the direction you're pointed, the coincidences can help you get to. So if yeah. you're doing something in a negative direction, um, they will help you go further in that negative direction. I have to say, as a psychotherapist, I've run into clients who had amazing synchronicities that uh, ended up resulting in, in horrible events for those people. So uh, it's very important if, if you, any of your listeners feel that they have self-destructive impulses, they need counseling, they need help, rather than opening up to the psychic world. I, we're coming to the end. Do you have written up any of those stories of people who have done, who who use synchronicities in terrible ways? Oh, <laughs> the best book about that that I could recommend is uh, Dr. Jewel Eisenbud, uh, now deceased psychiatrist, who who wrote a book called Parapsychology and the Unconscious. Okay, I've got that, and we're uh, thanks for that, thanks for that hint. We're coming to the end of this program, and you've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That is me, and we've been talking wonderfully with Jeff Mishlove about many different psychological, parapsychological If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. 
Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 